Well, good morning, everybody. It's lovely to be back here. Uh, I remember, I don't know how many of you remember, April 2000. Yes, no. A long time before that. 1981. I wonder how many people remember when we came here first and we took possession of this building. I'm sure. Were you there, Jim, at that time? You weren't there. Anyway, it's, uh, it's wonderful to be here. And isn't it been an amazing week? Uh, I had a phone call on Thursday from a young lady who lives in America to say that she wanted to see my face before the end of the world. <laughs> you know that it was predicted to happen yesterday. You missed it. Uh, well, I can tell you it didn't happen. Uh, but it's going to happen. And I'm sure that you're aware that it's been predicted, not by David Mears, uh, Meads, who is this Christian numerologist. Uh, he says that there's going to come a time when Jesus is going to return. And people say, oh, no, it's not going to happen. And, uh, and so I've read some of it in, in the newspapers. It's been in all the papers uh, the mail and the sun and the star and all those sort of things. Bob? <laughs> um, and, but it's interesting, isn't it, that people are not really concerned about the end of the world. Um, and yet it seems from the signs, and this is where David Meads gets his information from, that there's this coming together of uh, these uh, astronomical, that's it, thank you very much, Um, things happening in the world around us that is actually indicating that God is going to return, or Jesus is going to return and he's going to bring everything to an end. Now, the disciples uh, in the Bible, when Jesus was actually talking about this subject, he he foretold two amazing finishes. The first one was that the temple in Jerusalem, in, uh, as you know, in AD 70, was completely destroyed. This would happen. And I, I thought you would be interesting to note uh, what Jesus said to his disciples. In Luke's Gospel, uh, chapter 21... Uh, and this is not the title of my message, but uh, hopefully in the, in the next half an hour I shall get there. Uh, he, they said, they asked him a question, and I'm in Luke 21. So he said to them, Teacher, when will these things be, and what sign will there be when these things are about to take place? And he said... Take heed that you are not deceived, for many will say, uh, many will come in my name saying, I am he, the time has drawn near, therefore do not go after them. But when you hear of wars, commotions, do not be terrified, for these things must come to pass first, but the end will not come immediately. Nations will rise up against nations, Kingdoms against kingdoms. There will be great earthquakes in various places. 
Last week, uh, another earthquake in Mexico, following the one before that. Uh, still looking for hundreds of children in a school. Uh, there will be famines and pestilence. There will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. And, and so on. So you've got this amazing happening. You know that there's two great men uh, having a little tete-a-tete. <laughs> uh, Trump uh, and King John uh, are, are talking about sending their weaponry over. Trump says, I'm going to completely obliterate North Korea. And little King John says, Kim John says, well, I'm going to obliterate America and so on. And, and we, I don't know whether we just sit back and we think, well, you know, it can't happen. Um, it may happen. That's the great thing. It may happen. It could happen next week. David Meads goes on to say that really he's been misunderstood. It wasn't going to happen on the 23rd, but it, it might happen on the 7th of October. And if it doesn't happen on the 7th of October, it's going to happen on the 21st of October. So you've got a few weeks to think about it. But, of course, it, that's not the important thing, is it? But Jesus said, when the disciples said, you know, what's going to happen... Uh, he says this, and I'm, I'm reading from verse 20. When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then you know that its desolation is near. In other words, Jesus prophesied that Jerusalem, the city of the people of God, was going to completely be obliterated. And you know what? They did not believe it. Uh, History tells us that when the armies, the Roman armies came to obliterate, they fought to the end. Now that's very commendable. Uh, a million people were slain in AD 70 fighting to keep Jerusalem. God said it's going to be wiped out. A uh, hundred thousand were taken captive. And what Jesus said was happen, happened. That's the thing we have to understand. It's all in his hands. Now, he also said, of course, that you don't know when it's going to happen. <laughs> but it's going to happen. Uh, we don't know it. It could be September the 25th, which, as you know, is tomorrow. So it's, it's, it's not that we live in fear. I, I said to the young lady that, that's, well, she's not so young now, I suppose. I've known her for many years. Uh, she wanted to see my face. Um, I suppose she'll have to see it again uh, next time we communicate with each other. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not fearful. I guess you're not either. Because there's a certainty in Jesus Christ, isn't there? That he is looking after us. But I want to assure you that there is going to come a time when he will return. It says here in verse 25, there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. I rang our friends in uh, Florida, Sandy and Beth Roberts, and some of you may know, 
I said, how did you fare? They just had three hurricanes come by. Uh, the first one uh, was, what was his name? Anyway, he had a name. Harvey, I think his name was. Uh, it, it completely obliterated some of these islands in the Caribbean. Even at this moment in time, people are res- recovering from Maria. Uh, and uh, it's happening, isn't it, in our world today? Uh, that things are beginning to fall apart. The world's falling apart. Things are happening. He says, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your hearts, your heads, because your redemption draws near. Life's consequences. It's an interesting word. Um, It means the result of something that has already started. A consequence. Think, Think, I was driving down the road, I was driving too fast... Uh, and I came to a bend, and, and the consequence was that I finished up in the ditch. All right? That's the consequence of my actions. Or I could say that the hurricane that's been sweeping through the Caribbean has completely obliterated. The consequences are there's nothing left. All these places are completely smashed to pieces. People have got nothing. That's the consequence. Uh, so I looked up in my Bible dictionary. Uh, these are marvellous things, aren't they? And I put in the word consequence or consequences. Who can tell me what verse came up on my Bible concordance? Sorry? Come on, speak up. It doesn't appear in the Bible. Did you say The consequences? Oh, well, interesting. Because, yeah, it's right. It's good we've got someone who's not English. <laughs> the Bible verse that came up was Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So try it out in your, if you've got one of these U Bibles, um, if you've got a Wi-Fi connection, (laughs) uh, the wages of sin, the consequences of sin. So I began to think about this uh, amazing revelation, this, this, uh, that God has revealed to us. You know, this Bible is an amazing book. It covers... Uh, 4,228 years of history of God. The Bible does. It finishes round about 100 AD in the book of Revelation. They reckon that John was probably about that age. And then for the last 2,000 years, God has been working out his purpose. And it's split 
BCAD. 4,128 years, God was working out his purpose with his people, the children of Israel. Uh, and you can know if you go back into the, into the very beginning when Adam was first created, God said to Adam, he said, you can eat of any tree of the garden, but not of the tree of goodness. No, the tree of, remind me. Good and evil. Thank you. And God, and Adam did. Well, he said it was her fault, but there we are. <laughs> um, he, he should have listened to God and not uh, his wife, but there we are. And they took of the tree, and it's interesting, isn't it, that you'd think, well, did it really matter? Do you think disobedience really matters? Do you think it really matters to God? that you don't do what he says? Do you think it really matters to the world in which we live that it doesn't matter that people would rather obey Mr. Cameron or Mrs. May or Mr. Trump or whoever it might be? Does it matter? Does it matter that we are living our lives in relationship to the laws of this country other than the laws of God? Does it matter if you don't do what your parents tell you if you're children? I mean, young children. I mean, I don't know whether John does what I tell him. <laughs> I'm sure he does, if he agrees with me. Do these things matter? Well, it did matter. Because if you go back into that first chapter in the book of Genesis, or we're in chapter 3 of the book of Genesis... God said this. He said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. And he drove out the man and placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life and then you read the story of the consequences of that action that Adam and Eve in the outworking of their family they had two children Cain and Abel and you have the first account of a murder and time you get round to Genesis chapter 6, God is so distressed with the wickedness that's upon the earth, he says, I'm going to start all over again. And I'm going to find a man who has faith. And he found a man who was just perfect in his generation. His name was Noah. And so on. And so you can go through the history. If we were to pick up that thought, of sin in Romans chapter 5, you would discover that this is what it says. 
Therefore, in verse 12, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, thus death spread to all men because all have sinned. You know this, this word spread. If you ever go out, as we on one occasion were in Zimbabwe and we were in the middle of a cholera epidemic. Now, we had a young man in our meeting on Sunday, nice young man, uh, student. Uh, Wednesday he was dead, cholera. Uh, people were scared. Uh, in our village, uh, or in the town called Chagutu, uh, 50 people were dying a day with cholera. Just couldn't, it was out of control. Uh, the man in charge of Zimbabwe, Mr. Mugabe, he said, we don't have cholera in our country. Uh, send your aid away. Uh, and people were coming to the borders. Uh, we smuggled a couple of suitcases in. Uh, he wasn't too interested in us. Um, but these people wanted to help. But they said, no, we, we, we don't recognize it. We, don't, we, we can't see that there's these problems around. But it spread. Um, fortunately, one young man, he was a nice young man. He was one of our Bible students. His sister brought him on the back of a pickup truck to our home in Jaguta, where we were staying with John and Celia Valentine to nurse Francis. <laughs> Please help. Uh, and uh, all you needed to do to solve the problem of cholera was to hydrate. Is that right? They were, it dehydrates you and you seize up and you die. Three days. Yeah? that correct? Um, anyway, uh, he was sent home with instructions. And the instruction was just simply a spoon of water, a spoon of water, a spoon of water, a spoon of water, day and night, a spoon, is that right? So it's more than water, but yeah, so yeah. Hydrate. hydrate fluid. But that's it. To keep the man alive, he had to follow the simple principle of drinking water with some solution in it. I'm, 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 I know I'm talking to doctors here, so I'll tread very carefully. Yes, salt and sugar. Okay, isn't that sound simple to you? You see, the wages of sin is death. You can't fight it. You can't do anything about it. You've got to find an answer for it. The consequences of sin is death. One man. And I think that's simple really because it means that I've got to look at myself. All right. I might think, no, no, I, I'm all right, really. You know, I'm, I'm going to bury my head in the sand and I'm going to hope this is not going to happen. But you see, the fact is, it is going to happen. And you can't do anything about it. Wait for it. You see, in the Old Testament... Uh, people had to resolve their own sinful problems. 4,128 years, men, women, children, nations, 
they only had themselves to sort out the problem. I found a man, I, I want to just mention him because he has a testimony that he was a man after God's own heart. You probably know who he is. Uh, Paul is preaching about him. He says, uh, and afterwards they asked for a king. This is the children of Israel. God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin for 40 years. Now Saul was an outstanding man. In fact, he was taller than anybody else. You could see him in the crowd. He's up there. Uh, in, in, in fact, of sort of physique and ability, he was, you know, outstanding. But he didn't do what God said. Uh, and it, God gave him up, it says. Uh, when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony, said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. Has God found a man like that here, in this place, who will do all my will? Or I could say, has God found a woman in this place who can say, I can do all your will? Sadly, this man failed. You know, we can never say, I will never sin. Never. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us, says the scripture. But David was responsible for his sin. Now, I think that's terrible, really, that we are responsible for our sin. I'm sure you do, too. Because in the book of Samuel, the, the book of Second Samuel tells of two occasions that David sinned. One, one of them was uh, in adultery. I don't want to go into that story particularly, but you will know that it ended in uh, him murdering the woman's husband. And uh, he thought he'd got away with it. You know, he, he, he got rid of all the evidence. But you see, he didn't get it rid of it from the eyes of God because God sent a prophet called Nathan told him a story about this rotten man that had all these sheep and when a, uh, somebody came for dinner, he didn't want to kill one of his sheep so he looked over the fence and he saw his next door neighbour, a little lamb, so he went over the fence, he got that lamb and he, he took that home and, and cooked it for his dinner. And David was incensed. He said, that man should not live. And so the prophet reminded him he was that man. And, and it says, David's comment was, I have sinned greatly. And God said, I'll forgive you, but there's got to be a punishment. Do you know what the punishment was? He lost his little boy. He was sick and died. Now that's terrible, isn't it? 
We have another lovely little boy this morning. He really liked Uncle John. (laughs) Think of that. You see, the wages of sin is death. But the second time he sinned, he, he, he had this big nation. It was all together. There was all these tribes of Israel, hundreds of thousands of people. And he said, he said to his captain, Joab, I want you to go out. I want to know how many people are living in my country. And Joab said, no, don't do it. It's not right to do it. But Job said, you've got to do it. He said, I don't want to do it. And so Job had to go do what he knew was wrong. And anyway, uh, God intervened. Uh, in fact, David came, came to his senses. Let me read it to you in the, second, the end of the book of Samuel. David's heart condemned him after he had numbered the people. So David said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. But now I pray, O Lord, take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have done very foolishly. And when David arose in the morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad. David's seer saying, go and tell David, I offer you three things. Choose one of them for yourself that I may do it to you. Shall seven years of famine come? Three months before your enemies or three days of plague in the land? The consequences of sin is death. What would you choose if you had to pay the price for every sin that you have committed? What would you choose? How would you deal with it? I tell you this, I think probably I'd jump off a bridge somewhere. People do that. I think I'd go back and put my head in the gas oven. People do that. Did you read in the paper, that, well, on the news this morning that two schoolboys were coming home from school and there was a man jumping off a bridge. And so they said, got hold of him, and one had his leg and one had his jumper, and they fought to keep him jumping off the bridge. And he said people were just walking by as though, oh, and saved him. You know, sometimes sin's consequences can be so great that you've got to have some answer to deal with it. And so you think death is the answer, but it isn't the answer. It's just the consequences of it. This is what David said. I'm in great distress. Please let us fall into the hands of the Lord, for his mercies are great, but do not let me fall into the hand of man. So the Lord sent a plague upon Israel from the morning till the appointed time from Dan, which was in the north of the country, to Beersheba, which was in the south. 70,000 men of the people died. That's terrible, isn't it? That you 
David were responsible for those men's and women's lives. David meets this angel on a place called the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. Now that may not mean nothing to you. It's a high peak in Jerusalem. It's where David built an altar. It's where he built his house, the city of David, in Jerusalem. And today we would call it Calvary. David bought it off of Ornan for an altar to acknowledge that at that point he dealt with his sin and it says that God stopped from that day slaughtering the people. Now the reason I mention that is because the wages of sin is death. But, here's the wonderful but. Jesus Christ has paid the price of my sin and yours on the cross at Calvary. Has he done it for you? Can you sit here this morning and say with the Lord in your heart, thank you for your cross. Thank you for setting me free. You know, I don't fear the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know when it is. I'm sorry, I, I can't confirm it's going to be the 7th of October. Or even the 21st. But to quote some of my lovely African friends, say, are you ready for the coming of the Lord? Are you ready for the coming of the Lord? You see, it's not difficult to know that you're not right with God. David's heart smote him. His conscience was troubled. He knew he wasn't right. He knew he wasn't getting on with his mum and dad, you could say. Or his wife or she could say, with my husband. You know that there are things in your life that are not right because you know they're not. I mean, even if you live on your own, you know what it's like in your home. But here's the wonderful truth of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And I'm reading it as it's painted for us in the letter of John. Uh, He says, This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. How do you get on with everybody? Is it fellowship? Or is it... (coughs) Hmm? Fellowship. You know, relationship. Love. It's just lovely to be together. It doesn't include arguing and battering and fighting. It's just 
You're right. Fellowship. With him and walk. If we have fellowship with him, walk in darkness, we lie. We do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we confess our sins, <clears throat> he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The wages of sin is death, <clears throat> but the gift of God. Gift? You don't buy gifts, you don't work for gifts. We like to receive gifts. Well, I do anyway. I don't know about you. Here's a wonderful gift for you this morning. So that if Jesus does come, as he reckons he may, although I'm not sure he's got the right date, you'll be able to see him face to face. But you can have that eternal life now, this morning, sitting in your seat. Right now. And close your eyes and you can say, Lord, I am a sinner. I've done wrong. You may not have murdered your, the lady's husband. <laughs> you may not have been disobedient like David was. But you see, David didn't have a saviour. <clears throat> he was to be the saviour's great, 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 great grandfather. Because it was out of the line of David, Jesus came. But we still have the answer this morning. Let's pray, shall we? And I want you to just think about your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you see things come to your heart or to your mind that are wrong, I want to ask you if you would be prepared to say sorry to God for those things, i.e., confess your sin. You don't got to confess it to me or to the person sitting next to you. And say, Lord, right from this moment on, <clears throat> I'm going to receive into my life your salvation. I want you to save me. I want you to save me from my sin. I want to live in the consequences of your wonderful gift of life to me. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Father, we do thank you for your intervention in our history. 2,017 years ago, approx, you came into this world to deal with men's sin, to make it possible for us to be free.
from the consequences of our lives. The results, like you said, that God is not mocked. What a man sows, that will he reap. If he sows to the flesh, he will of the flesh reap corruption. But if he sows to the Spirit, he will of the Spirit reap life everlasting. I just pray. I pray for us this morning, Lord, that we might all, everyone in this room, be in fellowship, relationship with you. And pray, Father, that we might just know that. Now, if you don't know that this morning, you'd simply need to ask him and say, Lord, I want to be right with you, Lord. I know that there are things wrong. Please will you forgive me and cleanse me. And in heaven, we read, the angels will rejoice. Just at one sinner responding. We thank you, Lord, and pray that you'll do it for us in Jesus' name. Amen.